You can have clarity on the relationship you want to be in. But if you are not clear on who you are, then how do you know that that's the relationship you want to be in? A lot of folks will focus on starting with what. Some yes. will even say, well, it's important to start with why. Mm-hmm. I do not disagree, but I'd say that before starting with why, you first need to know exactly who it is that you are. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of In the Clear. Our goal with this podcast is to help you gain clarity on all aspects of your life using a holistic approach that employs both logic and emotion. Today's episode is going to be about the importance of knowing who you are so that you yourself can lead your own path. And how important is that? To know who we are Mm -hmm. will affect everything that we do, everything Mm -hmm. that we go after. And I look forward to talking about this. But just before we do, Mm -hmm. I am very, very excited. Because what's today? Day one. That's right. Today (laughs) is one day. I'm excited because we've been talking about this for some time. Mm -hmm. And now we finally get to do this together. So I hope that people are going to enjoy it as much as we will. Mm -hmm. Because I'm very excited that we get to do this. I know for a fact that they will enjoy it because it's coming from a place of, I know who I am. Mm -hmm. I know the road I'm paving. You know who you are. You know the road you're paving. So we're coming from a place of both knowledge and experience. Mm -hmm. So I know this is going to make a difference for everyone. And I know the reason we picked this topic to start off with is we were talking about what is it that brings this entire podcast together? And really, it's self-knowledge. It's Mm. clarity on who you are. Mm. Because if you don't have clarity on who you are, you can have clarity on what career you want. But how do you know that that's the career you want if you don't know who you are? You can have clarity on the relationship you want to be in. But if if you are not clear on who you are, then how do you know that that's the relationship you want to be in? Because if it's not centered on you, then it's centered on other people and their opinions. So I think this is a perfect topic to start off with. I agree. Yeah. To me, it's the foundation, Mm self-awareness, self-knowledge. By knowing who you are, you will make sure that you do are surrounded by the right people, Mm -hmm. that you are open to the right opportunities, Mm -hmm. and that you can pave your own path Mm -hmm. on your standards. Mm -hmm. And I used to teach a leadership lesson called Start With Who?, Mm. And a lot of folks will focus on starting with what. Some will even say, well, it's important to start with why. Mm -hmm. I do not disagree, but I'd say that before starting with why, you first need to know exactly who it is that you are. We've heard it before. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Mm -hmm. Knowing who we are, to me, is the foundation. Absolutely. You can't know your why if you don't know who you are. I like it. It's very important to have the foundation be yourself instead of the foundation be a goal that's in the future at some point where if you haven't taken the steps to discover yourself, you just don't really know that that's a goal that maybe in five years you're going to be happy that you had Mm -hmm. one day. Mm -hmm. I think back to when I started writing and how that for me was the process of self-discovery that I needed in my life. Even though I was in school at the time, you know, I was becoming a teacher. I had just started teaching. I knew I loved teaching, Mm -hmm. but I truly did not know who I was. At that point, I was following the dreams of my parents for me. 
I was following what I thought society believed was a good job for a woman. You mm -hmm. know, to be a teacher, you get you get to work during the day. And one day, if you have a family, you'll be able to be home for dinner and you'll be able to be off for the summer. It's like all of that really played a role on top of the fact that I knew I enjoyed helping people. Mm -hmm. But at that point in my life, I would have been 21, 22. I can't tell you that I knew who I was and that I knew for 1,000% certain that that is what I, what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I can't tell you that because I was not guided by my knowledge of who I was. So when I started writing and for me, ultimately, that was a way for me to express my thoughts and emotions and opinions and mm -hmm. just it was my process of making sense of the world around me and myself and the people around me. And that included you know, what do I enjoy doing? What do I believe is the right thing for me to do? So when I started that, it kind of propelled this journey away from the self that I always thought I needed to be mm -hmm. and towards the self that I really truly was in mm -hmm. that moment. And once I was able to continue to write and explore and discover and get more clarity on who I am as a person and what my beliefs are, you know, aside from everything I'd been taught, then I could say with 100% clarity, I am a writer. I am a thinker. I am someone who wants to help people get clarity on who they are and to empower people and validate them and help them express their emotions and you know, the same thing was for myself. Mm -hmm. My goal was to empower myself and validate myself and not say, here are a set of rules that society dictated for you and that family dictated for you and religion and culture and all of that. Go ahead and follow them. Mm -hmm. It was a complete opposite direction. So I'm hoping that everyone who listens can see that that journey takes time. I'm 33 now. I started this when I was 21, 22. Mm. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. But I think, and I don't know what, what your opinion is on this, I think that the journey of self-discovery comes in little waves. And it's like little opportunities that knock at your door. Mm. And you either open the door or you keep it shut. And if you mm. open this door, then more doors are going to open and more doors are going to open. But we think that it's this one big door that if you walk through it, your entire life changes. But really, it's a series of doors, I think, that are dependent on each other. If you don't open one, the ones behind it are not mm -hmm. going to open either. What do you I think agree. of that? Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. And I think the more you know who you are, the more you know when to open the door. Yes. And when to leave it shut. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like for you, writing became a tool to mm -hmm. define yourself. Yes. If someone, for example, is not a writer or a poet mm -hmm. or an author, if you wouldn't have been, which other way do you think you could have used to define yourself and get mm -hmm. to know who you are? Like, how would that be if it's not through expressing who we are through mm -hmm. a book or? Yeah. Well, writing for me was one of those doors. It's mm -hmm. like I got this really intense, powerful urge to sit down with a pen mm -hmm. and paper and write. And at the time I was living at my parents and it was a busy house, you know, there were kids all around and 
I would come home after teaching for an entire day and I was in school full time doing my master's. And I just wanted to sit down at the island in our kitchen with a pen and paper and I just dimmed out all the noise that was around me. And it's like the whole world was in front of me on that paper. Mm. Everything inside of me was spilling out. That's what I wanted to do every single day. So I could have gotten that urge to sit down and write that knock on the door and I could have said, no, I'm not doing this. It's a waste of time because I have this assignment to work on. I have this lesson to plan for tomorrow. I have to eat. I have to do whatever. But I said, I'm going to listen to this urge. And I sat down and what started as me putting my initial thoughts and feelings on paper turned into a book. You know, before it turned into a book, it was a, it was a little blog that no one really knew about. It was a Facebook post or an Instagram post that 10 people liked, if that. And um, I realized that over time, more and more people were reading those writings. And the more time I invested in myself in that journey of self-discovery, the more people were attracted to that kind of work. So mm. when I first started, I didn't think I want to be a writer, but it happened because I continued to answer that urge. So someone else, their urge might be to dance at mm. the end of the day. It might be to move their body in some way and they might discover with time, oh, I want to be a yoga teacher or I want to teach meditation. Someone else's urge could be to... I don't know, work with lights, figure mm. out how, you know, you can set up a beautiful space. Someone else's urge might be to design things around their house using certain color themes and whatever. Those are small signs and signals from the universe, from the world around you that are telling you and from yourself that are telling you, this is what we need to be doing right now. And if you are so engulfed in what the world around you wants you to do or thinks is a waste of time or a good investment of time, you're going to think to them and say, what would they think of me answering this urge or this knock on my door? And then if you if they would think this is a waste of time, then you're going to say this is a waste of time and you're not going to listen to it. But if you say I am the one in charge of leading my life, then when an urge like that comes, when a knock like that comes, you get to decide that you are going to answer it mm -hmm. and follow it. And then you, with time, you figure out bit by bit who you are and what you're meant to be doing mm -hmm. with your life based on who you are. I love it. Yeah. You could almost call it unconditional living. Because yeah. you no longer depend conditionally on how people treat you, how they see you, mm -hmm. and how they could sometimes even contaminate you with their own vision of what you should be mm -hmm. doing and your own goals. Yes. It becomes yours and yours alone. Yes. I love that. Unconditional living and contamination. Mm. Let's talk more about that because I know in the past you and I have discussed mm -hmm. this. So when you're talking about unconditional living, give me like a definition of that for someone who's listening? How would you define unconditional living? Well, making sure that you go into what I call, as I was listening to you, I was thinking of noise cancellation mode mm -hmm. activated. When you said I could dim everything out and I could listen to my voice, if we could call it that way, mm -hmm. that means noise canceling 
everything that's outside and listening to what comes inside. Mm -hmm. So the more often I would do that and listen to myself, trying to get to know who I really am, I would unconditionally detach myself from whatever the world was doing mm -hmm. or wanted me to be or to do. Yes. And I started doing that quite young. Uh, the reason is I did not like the identity that I had created for myself. Mm -hmm. And it was mainly affected by the people around me or circumstances. When I was younger, uh, a lot of the circumstances and the people had a big effect on how I would behave, how I would feel. And I didn't necessarily like that. I didn't necessarily like my childhood. And at some point I had to decide, hey, I need to first destroy this old identity that I don't like and unconditionally create a new one. Mm. And, and for me, it took years to yeah. build my own identity. Now I feel quite set in who I am mm -hmm. and what I want and what I stand for, what I dislike. But it took some time. Like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. It took some time. Yes. And, and part of my identity initially that I had, if I could say borrowed mm. um, from parents or family or people around me was my when I was two years old, my parents divorced. So my mm -hmm. mom is white, French, Canadian. My dad was black from British Guyana, South America, mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't get to know him because when I was two, my parents divorced. Mm -hmm. And the reason is he was very violent. So he would beat her and punch her and she got oh, pregnant no. with me and mm -hmm. he kept going and I was born. It was the same. It was a bit too much for him to be a dad at that point. Mm -hmm. And when I was two, he got arrested and sent to jail. It's the last time that I saw him. Wow. So I lost all contact with, yes, the male side of my family, but also mm -hmm. the black side of my family. Mm -hmm. And growing up with my mom being white and my entire white family mm -hmm. already was a bit um, unusual mm -hmm. at the time, years and years ago. Mm -hmm. And it gave me an identity where I was dealing with racism sometimes. Mm -hmm. But mainly when I say I borrowed a different identity is I would hear from my grandma and my mom's sisters, yeah. whatever you do. Don't be like your father. Mm. And that really became my identity to a point where even if I didn't know the guy since I was two years old, he was mm -hmm. gone. I remember once I was in high school and um, someone was we were in the schoolyard and I was having an argument with someone and he started punching me on the shoulder oh, no. and he'd punch and he'd punch and he'd punch. And then everybody mm -hmm. started looking at us and I had two options. Either I strike back and I punch or I just keep on taking it. And that identity that I had been creating unknowingly as a kid. Don't be like your you dad. Do, don't be like your dad. Mm -hmm. Was so strong that I just stood there and kept being punched on the shoulder. And it would hurt. And I'd start crying and everybody's watching. It's not fun. No. But it was so ingrained in me that to this day, in my 50s, I have never, ever, ever hit or punched anyone. Mm -hmm. Because that was part of my identity. Mm -hmm. And so that was a good and not so good thing at times mm -hmm. but at some point it was like hey you know what i need to start creating my own identity yes who is it that i would like to be as mm -hmm. a man who is it that i would like to be as a father instead of just borrowing my identity and recreating the cycle i had to put a stop to that and redefine myself but it takes time uh, the goal initially is to know that mm -hmm. you want to know who you are. Yes. Because to me, that's the foundation. Yes. If you don't know exactly who you are and who you want to be, it'll be very easy 
to get seduced by what I call the mind seducers, which sometimes are opportunities, distractions, things that will be on your way. And mm-hmm. if you don't know exactly who you are, you'll take those opportunities when in reality you shouldn't. You should keep on going straight. Mm-hmm. And so detours are good from time to time, but not always. And yes. knowing exactly who you are, that's the foundation. Yes. I love everything that you said. I There were a few things that I particularly related to when you said to rebuild a new identity or to figure out who you are, you need to destroy that past mm. identity. It needs to be destroyed in a way that's not like, I'm ashamed of who I was or I just never want mm. to look back. It's more like you are destroying it in a way where you can take the little pieces and say, I understand why I thought I needed to be that way. And moving forward, I know why I don't want to be that way anymore. So that past identity or past identities of yours will actually inform this new identity that you're creating. Because now you know what you don't want to be. Absolutely. Now you know what you don't want in your life, what beliefs you already tried having or living by that you know you do not want to carry into this new life of yours, the life that's authentic to you, the life that you've chosen for yourself. So don't look at your past identities as any reason to be ashamed Mm -hmm. or any reason to, you know, anytime that you look back, you think, I can't believe I was that person. Actually look at yourself with some compassion and say, you know, I tried being that because I thought I needed to be that. Mm. But now that I know that's not who I am, now that I know that those beliefs don't serve me and maybe they served those around me, now that I know that being that way didn't serve the unconditional living Mm. life path that I am taking, I am no longer living in that way. So... Take that past version of you or past versions of you as lessons, as life experience, as, you know, ways to say, I learned this, I learned that, I experienced this, I experienced that. Try to stay away from shaming yourself out of your past self. Mm. And I actually, in my new book, which I will talk about soon, I did say something like, If you shame yourself into change, you have to continue shaming yourself into sustaining the change. Mm. You need to lead change in your life with compassion. You need to look at the past versions of you and say, I know you were doing your best. I know that if you knew better, truly, at you know a cellular level, that you would have done better. Mm. So lead your change in your life as you're heading towards the life that you want and towards the identity that you want with compassion and love and understanding and an openness to say that was experience, that was a lesson instead of leading it with shame, mm. saying I'm I'm burying that version of me in the past. I'm never going to look back. Well, if you're running away from something, it's constantly going to be chasing you. Mm. So be at peace with it and leave it where it was in the past. So, yeah. I love it because I used to be the champion of self-shame growing up. And for some time, I did not have any compassion at all Mm. towards my past identity. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to the point where I wanted to destroy it because I hated it. Mm -hmm. And you're right. That serves you because the new identity would not be or would not exist 
were it not from the past identity. Mm -hmm. It served as fuel to change, but it's also a building block. That was still the foundation initially. Even if I destroyed it, then I had to build on top of it. Mm -hmm. and, and when I talk about shame, it was to the point where I've been married now for 27, 28 years. I've been mm -hmm. with my wife for 30 years. It's incredible. And we have two older kids now. My youngest mm -hmm. is 26, my daughter. My son is 28. Mm -hmm. And when I met my wife, I was 19. She was 18. And it took about two years before she knew my origin story, my wow. childhood. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and that's because the word you used was shame. Mm -hmm. When I was seven, my mom had a stroke. She paralyzed. She remained completely paralyzed for the rest of her life. She also suffered from aphasia, so she could no longer speak. Wow. Uh, for some time, if we're talking about identity, mm -hmm. for some time when she came out of her coma and came back to her senses, she no longer had any idea of who I was, her only son. And so, of course, uh, initially you bore your identity from your parents or your mom. And when even your mom no longer knows who you are, you have to start redefining your own identity. But yes. because of that, because of the stroke, um, she was the only one that could work in the family. I was just seven. She was 28 when she mm -hmm. had her stroke. What that meant is that we had to depend on welfare and social assistance my whole childhood. Mm -hmm. We had to move and live into places that are, I call low income housing. And because of that, a lot of shame came with that. Yeah. And so when I moved out and when I met my wife, who was my best friend at the time and still is today, I did not want her to know about the old identity. Mm -hmm. I was like, I've had enough of this, like being the poor kid, the black kid with a white mom who's handicapped. And so there was so much attached to that old identity that I wanted nothing to do with it. Mm -hmm. And so to your point, I had absolutely no compassion about the old identity mm -hmm. and I hid it from my new friends and from my future wife for some time. And when she discovered, she was like, oh my goodness, like, how come I didn't know about this? She treated you with compassion though, right? Absolutely. Yeah. She's the one that I've learned some compassion from because mm -hmm. she's very, very compassionate. Yeah. Uh, but that's something, it's, it's a muscle that I had to develop over time. Yeah. Being more compassionate first towards myself and with other people as well. Yeah. I think oftentimes in relationships, we think that people are going to treat us the same way we treat ourselves. So if I treat myself with a dose of shame, when I think back to the person I was or to my past or where I came from, I assume automatically that if I let this person in on that story or those stories from the past, they're going to give me a dose of shame as well. Mm -hmm. And that's why we hide. It's out of fear that we're going to get the same kind of treatment. And mm -hmm. how beautiful is it to have someone walk into your life and show you some compassion and show you what you need to be showing yourself. Mm -hmm. I think that's so beautiful. And thank you for sharing that story. I think so many people will learn so much from it. Um, I also wanted to ask you about, because also we've talked about this a lot, the noise cancellation. Mm -hmm. When you are on your journey towards that new identity of yours, the identity that you've chosen you want to be or that you want to adopt or grow into, what's the power in using noise cancellation devices in your life? It's very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. I use, so if we go back to 
physical digital devices. Yes. I use noise cancellation devices a lot. Mm -hmm. I won't name the brand, but let's say when I turn <laughs> yeah. it on, I can't hear anything else. Maybe if the brand sponsors us, you well, can talk maybe. about it. Well, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But for now, I won't. Yeah. And, uh, and it's a tool. So you were talking about writing. Same, when I write content for the stage or for my book or anything, I absolutely need to shut everything out mm -hmm. and go back in. Mm -hmm. And I think the beauty in that is that you get to listen and hear really what moves you, mm -hmm. who you are when you shut down the noise. There's a lot of noise out there. Mm -hmm. And it's very difficult for us to be authentically who we are yes. just by going with the noise. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking about the devices, but in my own life, for me, when I started to want to redefine myself, mm -hmm. one thing that really helped is that I've blocked or scheduled some time regularly to reflect mm. and to think. To me, that's a full-time sport, thinking, and in my opinion, the most important. And when we go and do our nine to five and go back home and feed the kids, put them to bed, then go back to work and day in and day out for two years, 10 years, 20 years, and we don't stop to reflect and think, I feel we're missing the track that we should be on. And so to me, it was to consciously schedule some time to go within, mm -hmm. block everything out, mm -hmm. go into what I call noise cancellation mode activated mm -hmm. as often as I can. And, and for the folks that are listening to us, one thing that I would invite them to do would be to schedule, it doesn't have to be much, but let's say we all watch Netflix, Apple TV, Prime, or whatever the platform, we watch TV series or shows often. Mm -hmm. yes. What if we watched one less episode per month, let's say. Let's say an episode is an hour. Mm -hmm. That's 12 hours per year that we dedicate to reflecting and thinking about who we are. Mm -hmm. What's that foundation? What is it that we stand for? When I teach about clear identity, I use the four Ps. On stage, I use the four Ps for executives and leaders. The first of the four Ps to be clear and have a clear identity is perception, perception mm -hmm. of self. Yes. Um, it talks about your beliefs and your self-image. The second P is passion. What are your unique talents, mm -hmm. your gifts that are really only yours? Mm -hmm. And what are your interests? What is it that really turns you on, that gets you going, even if you're not getting paid for it? Your passion. Third one is your principles, your values and the rules that you set for mm -hmm. yourself. I've set rules for myself, meaning this I will never do, yes. that I will never accept, mm -hmm. because I've set in stone some principles. Yes. And the fourth P is for purpose, which is what's the meaning of all of this? Mm -hmm. What's the impact that you want to have? Mm -hmm. And once you know these four P's, you're clear on who you are mm -hmm. and you stand for something strong, which will prevent you from falling for seduction opportunities that will keep you off track yes. as you want to pave your own path. Yeah. So for anyone listening, I love that. Take out a piece of paper and grab your pen and reflect on those four Ps. What are they for you? And anytime that you feel that you are going off track with where you're headed in life or with your understanding of who you are, go back to that piece of paper and, you know, figure out where you're missing the mark or mm -hmm. maybe you're not meeting the promises that you've made for yourself. When you were talking about principles, all I could think of was 
personal boundaries with yourself. Mm. When you said there are certain things I don't do, there are certain things I do. To me, that's synonymous with having boundaries with yourself. Mm. Absolutely. You know, we, we always have boundaries with people. I'm okay with that behavior. I'm not okay with that behavior. But what about boundaries with ourselves? I yeah. think that's just so beautiful to come up with a list for yourself because then you know you are setting the rules for yourself. Mm. You know, those... That's when you are living unconditionally. Exactly. You are the one in charge. You're yeah. not following what someone else thinks is right or wrong for you. Yeah. You are, And with that comes giving yourself permission to make mistakes, mm -hmm. giving yourself permission. That's your compassion to, again. Exactly. Yeah. It's the compassion piece, mm -hmm. giving yourself permission to not get it right the first time, to say, you know what, I'm going to come up with a list of principles for myself And in a month or two, I might realize that some of them are way too harsh, mm. or I might realize that some of them are way too soft, and I mm. need to be a little bit harder on myself because I can hold myself to a higher standard. So give yourself the grace that you would give someone else in your life who you're allowing to lead you or guide you in some way, give yourself that same kind of grace. Because I guarantee that if you are following someone else's rules in your life and they lead you to the wrong place, you do have that compassion. Mm. You can say something like, well, you know, they were just teaching me what they knew. Mm. You know, you give them that kind of leeway. Why don't you give that to yourself? Don't yeah, be so strict on yourself. Like, I have to be perfect. I have to get it right. If I set a principle for myself and I don't actually see the value that it adds to my life, then I'm going to judge myself and I'm going to say something is wrong with me. No, you tried yeah. and you can course correct. You don't have to always look at it as I need to get it right the first time or the second time, mm -hmm. or the third time. I love everything that you said, and I think so many people are going to benefit from it. From listening to you, what it reminds me is that being compassionate could be seen as being a muscle. Mm. And initially, for me, it was a very, very weak muscle. Yeah. Almost like I didn't have any of that muscle The at shame all. muscle was really strong for absolutely, you. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. Oh, over time, we can build it and develop it if we are conscious about it. I certainly have been conscious about it. It mm -hmm. was a weakness. It was inexisting in my life. Mm -hmm. And now I'm getting better and better at it, knowing that it's important. First, to be compassionate towards myself and then to be compassionate with others as well. It Absolutely. also helps too when you, with others, when you have kids, you're married mm -hmm. and you're surrounded with people and yeah. they also go through pain sometimes. Yes. And the old muscle would have been like, you're stronger than this. Mm -hmm. But then you learn to be more compassionate and like, hey, you know what? I hear you. It's not always easy. And so that's a muscle that I've had to develop quite a bit. Yeah, it takes time and mm. practice. And when you, I always say this, when you spent X number of years of your life using the shame muscle, you're constantly reverting to language that shames you, that makes mm. you feel like something is wrong with you. It will take time for you to start talking yourself out of that for you to start talking to yourself with compassion. It takes mm -hmm. time. The most important thing is that awareness. Once you catch yourself speaking to yourself with shame, you say, oh, I did it again. Mm -hmm. What would I say to someone I love? And then you say mm -hmm. that to yourself. Mm -hmm. That's been extremely powerful for me. I say, would I say what I just said to myself 
to my seven-year-old niece who I love? Absolutely not. Mm. Would I say it to her at the age of seven or at the age of 33? No, I would never. So why would I say that to myself? And in a way, that has helped me heal my inner child. I know that inner child healing isn't something that everyone knows about or that everyone really believes in. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there those past versions of you that we talked about, there is a past version that was six, seven, eight, nine years old who learned something about their identity based on the circumstances that they were surrounded by. Mm. And if you don't now as an adult, go back to that seven, eight, nine-year-old you and say, I'm sorry that the adults in your life didn't know better, Mm. didn't teach you better, didn't treat you better, didn't, you know, have actions that taught you things that were better about yourself and about the world. I'm sorry about that. If you don't go and do that, then that young version of you is somewhere inside of you still believing that. Mm -hmm. So on your journey to that new identity of yours where you fully figured out who you are, you can't leave that seven, eight, nine-year-old behind. Mm -hmm. They have to be with you. And for them to be with you, you need to give them the compassion. You needed someone who was older at that time Mm -hmm. to give you. And now you are that for yourself. And that's when it comes full circle feeling your way out of past versions of you plus logicking your way out of Mm. past versions of you it comes together to Mm. create this new version of you i love it yeah i've done a lot of that yes (laughs) not knowing but i was doing it Mm -hmm. and um at some point i kind of named it and i called it conflict reversal Mm -hmm. and and just to express the reversal one Small example. Conflict reversal. Yeah. So because I believe that when you have conflicting beliefs, Mm -hmm. you're kind of trapped. You're in a cage. You want something, but you believe that it's unattainable. Mm -hmm. Or you want to build something, but you don't think that it's for you. And there's a conflict. Mm -hmm. And when there's a conflict, you're wrestling in your own mind. And it's going to be very difficult, Mm -hmm. if not impossible sometimes. So I've had to reverse a lot of the conflicts, core beliefs that I had as a kid. And one of them was because my mom paralyzed, because my dad was black, my mom was white, Mm -hmm. because we were on welfare, Mm -hmm. I couldn't build the life that I wanted to. Mm. And it reversed to, it's, I I happen to have a mom that's paralyzed and that's a blessing. The reversal was because my mom paralyzed, because my dad was violent, because we were on welfare, I redefined myself. So in the end, it was a blessing. Mm -hmm. Initially to me, it was shame muscle. Mm -hmm. But then it got to the point where, hey, you know what? If it wasn't for this, you wouldn't be that. Mm -hmm. And so that to me came full circle, Mm -hmm. where it went from one belief to a conflict reversal to something that becomes empowering. Yes. And we need to do that consciously so Mm -hmm. that we take what is first disempowering, Mm -hmm. flip it, reverse it so that it empowers us. Absolutely. I'm thinking of another example, like people who are people pleasers Mm. will say, I can't not be a people pleaser. I've been this way for 30 years of my life. That's their identity. 
right? It's yeah. their identity and they feel stuck in it. Even though anytime they people please, they feel, especially if they are betraying themselves and leaving themselves to meet someone else's needs or to be there for someone, they build that resentment inside mm. towards themselves and towards others anytime that they people please. So they feel like they're stuck in this loop. They don't want to be a people pleaser anymore, but they don't see a way out. Mm -hmm. So it would be great if we're using conflict reversal mm -hmm. to say, because I spent this many years of my life as a people pleaser, it's a blessing for me to know what that feels like. And mm -hmm. it's a blessing for me to have experienced it and know now that I no longer want to be that way. Mm -hmm. Because I spent X number of years being a people pleaser, mm -hmm. I can now be not a people pleaser. Absolutely. I can now be a person who has boundaries. I can now be a person who says no. I can now be a person who says not right now. I can now be a person who says I put myself first and then others because mm -hmm. I can't give to others if I don't give to myself. So I love that. People can apply this to any part of their life where they feel stuck. So let's use it to instead of saying because I've been this way, I have mm -hmm. to continue being this way say, because I've been this way for so long, I can choose to no longer be this absolutely. way. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the reversal to me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to make it a bit more practical, um, let's go back to what I mentioned before about canceling out one episode of whatever you watch per month. Mm -hmm. That gives you 12 solid hours per year. Yes. It doesn't sound like much, but a lot of folks I know don't even spend that per year reflecting, redefining who it is that they want to be, what they stand for, what are their principles, what are their rules. It doesn't sound like much, but my thinking is always what's easy to do is easy not to do. And very often we opt for not doing it, but let's just do it. It's easy. It's not a lot, but it could have a huge impact because we're starting to develop that muscle. Mm -hmm. And that's just an hour per month, 12 hours per year. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. In talking about noise cancellation, I also am thinking of other ways. So you're talking about reflecting 12 mm. hours a year, going inwards. But I also believe that some of the noise cancellation that we need is canceling, for example, the opinions of others, mm. is canceling Uh, what we believe others want for us is canceling what others have done to us in the past. Mm -hmm. One of the most viral clips that anytime I share it, it gets millions of views is one where I say, do you really need the person who hurt you to tell you that they hurt you? Mm -hmm. Do you really need them to come to you and say, I know what I was doing. I know that I hurt your feelings. I know that I broke your heart. I know that I betrayed your trust. Do you need them to tell you that? for you to say, I can move forward from that. Because not only do past versions of ourselves hold us back as we're moving towards who we really are, but also what people have done to you can hold you in the past too. Mm -hmm. Because you say, because that person did that to me, I can't move forward until they fix what they broke. Mm -hmm. I can't move forward until they admit what they did. I can't move forward until they apologize. And sometimes you play a game with your ego where your ego's like, we can't move forward unless that person mm -hmm. goes through something that shows them that what they did to us was wrong. And it gives you that false sense of identity that 
I am who I am now because of what happened to me. Mm. You know, I am trying to prove myself because someone did something to me. And now I'm trying to work to show to that person Mm -hmm. or to myself that I can live past what they did to me. And I don't think that's a great motivation that will truly lead you towards an authentic identity that Mm -hmm. is purely decided by you and chosen by you. I think when you get stuck on the way that people treated you, you have to remind yourself you don't need their validation that what they did to you is actually what they did to you. Mm. You need your own validation. You know what you went through. You know what they did. You know how it made you feel. You know how it changed your life. You know that it made you not sleep for an entire month or an Mm. entire year. You know that it broke your trust in people. You know that it gave you trust issues and you know, issues with the way that you view people. Maybe you became cynical about people's intentions. Mm. You know what they did to you and you know how it affected you. The only validation you need is from yourself. End of story. It feels like when I visualize that, it feels like letting go of a rope that you've been holding on to for mm. so long where you're just pulling something behind you, pulling the weight of what they did to you. And all of a sudden when you let it go and you so say, that doesn't serve me, I don't need that anymore. I don't need them to come and take my hands off the rope. I can do that myself. Now you feel so light the moment you let it go, like poof, all that weight is gone. You don't need the noise, the noise of what others did to you. You don't need the noise of them coming back into your life and fixing what they broke. You have to fix what they broke inside of you because what broke is inside of Mm -hmm. you not inside of them. Something was already broken inside of them for them to be able to break something inside of you. But you are not someone who breaks others. Mm -hmm. You are someone who mends, who heals. You can do that for yourself. Stop waiting for them to come. That's noise. Mm -hmm. The waiting is noise. The getting stuck in the past is noise. So always try to, to bring it back to practical Um, examples, always try to set your intention to be led by the now, by who you are now, by the power that you have right now to move forward instead of taking in the past, going back to what everyone did to you Mm -hmm. and saying, that's where my change starts. It's not. Mm -hmm. Maybe that changed something inside of you, but You are giving power to people from your past to affect what you think you can do right now. Get rid of the noise. Imagine that the moment you put on those noise-canceling headphones, the metaphorical ones, that that takes away those people Mm -hmm. and everything that they did. You can now say, I know where I'm headed. I know how much power I have. I know what I need to tend to within myself. I was going to say fix, but Mm. tend to is a better word because even if something inside of you broke, what it really needs isn't just a mechanical fix. It's let's see what this part of me needs. Mm -hmm. It needs that compassion. So now that I know all of that, I know that I can head towards being who I want to be while there are still parts of me that are tender 
that need some more compassion every mm-hmm. single day. I might be triggered on my journey to change and become who I want to be, but I know how to tend to those triggers. And one thing I'm definitely not going to do is wait for the person who caused that part to be tender mm-hmm. to come back and tend to it. I have to do that myself. Absolutely, because if you don't, you cannot be unconditionally living. You are conditionally living in exactly. that way, yeah. And so if you want to have your both of your hands on the steering wheel and be in command, in control, being totally free and unconditional, you cannot depend on that person that hurt you to come and apologize. Mm-hmm. What if that person is deceased? Then yeah. what? What do you mm-hmm. do? Then you're trapped within your condition that mm-hmm. you've set for yourself. Yeah. And living unconditionally is making sure that we let go of that weight, like mm-hmm. you're saying. And yes. that we don't wait for anybody else to do whatever they do. If they do, good. If they don't, that's fine. Yes. We take care of numero uno. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I think people struggle with the person who hurt them being alive mm. and not apologizing. Mm. They struggle with seeing that person thrive and move forward with their life while they're still hurting. Like, how could that person do this to me and just move on as if nothing happened? Mm. They need to suffer in some way or they need to know how they mm. hurt me. Newsflash, they know how they hurt you. Newsflash, you don't know that they're thriving. And even if they are, the goodness in you should say, you know, I hope they learned a lesson from what they did to me. I hope they don't do what they did to me to someone else. Mm -hmm. But it is not my job to teach someone how to be a good human. They hurt me. I'm not going to give them back what they gave me so that I give more power to what they are and who they are and how they treat people. Like I don't give that more power than I give to myself. The power of the goodness that I have within me, the power of the compassion that I have within me, the power of wanting to see others grow and thrive Mm. and move forward. Maybe they left you with pain and you left them with a little bit of compassion, a little Mm. bit of love for themselves and for the world. Maybe they made your life worse and you made their life better. Mm. That on its own is so beautiful. Just let the story end there. You don't need to teach them a lesson yourself. You hope Mm. and wish that they can learn that on their own. Tend to the parts of you. Come back to your own life, to your own path, to the identity that you are building for yourself and focus on that. Because any focus that goes on anyone else, mm-hmm. it's like you are wasting energy. It's futile. Yeah. It's part of, I call it column two. Like to me, it's like what, column number one is the controllables. Column mm-hmm. number two are the uncontrollables. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much time you invest or waste sometimes on column number two, it'll never change anything. It's out of your control. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes a me thing. I Mm -hmm. have to make sure that I take care of me internally. And whatever they do, that's a you thing or a them thing. Mm -hmm. And so what you're saying, I love it because it's all about taking care of numero uno first. Mm -hmm. Unconditionally to what they do or don't do. Mm -hmm. That's what I call personal power. You're in control. You know who you are. You know what you stand for. Mm -hmm. And with or without whomever, 
you're going there. Yes. You can't control what people do to you. No. You can control how you respond. You can control how you react. You can control what you choose to do with what they did to mm. you and how to move forward with your life. Absolutely. Don't try to control the way that people treat you because you are not them. You are not the one who gives them the power to do whatever it is that they want to do. Let them it, choose. Isn't it tiring when you try? It is like, tiring. I've tried a lot. You can't just, we struggle changing ourselves. You can't change someone else. Yeah. Just let go of that. Just see their behavior for what it is and give yourself permission to label it as good or bad. Yeah. Like sometimes if you are a good person, you have a hard time looking at someone's bad treatment of you and saying, you're treating me badly yeah. because you think that If you label it that way, then that means you are someone who doesn't see the good in mm. people. But if they're not showing you the good and they're showing you the bad, you can say, you're treating me badly. Mm. This really hurts. So give yourself permission to see people's behavior as it is and stop trying to change it so that you could change your way of seeing yourself mm. based on what they do. You're trying to change their behavior to be better so that you could say, see, they are good people. They have good intentions. And that makes you feel better about yourself because mm -hmm. you're not seeing the bad in them. If the bad exists and they're showing it to you, let them end it there. Love it. Yeah. The end. The end. I love it. <laughs> As love we approach it. the end of our episode. Yeah. So, go ahead. Yeah. So I thought it would be very cool if we ended every episode with one or two things that we learned from each other. Um, sometimes we'll have one, sometimes we'll have two, maybe three sometimes, but... I learned a lot today. Yeah. Do I have to stop at three or four? Can I go on? <laughs> <laughs> you can say however many things that you want that you think also other people would benefit from. Yeah. Uh, if I can start... Yes. I would say first, learning what I've heard you say, to be compassionate towards yourself. Very mm -hmm. often when we think about compassion... The mm -hmm. default is to talk about being compassionate towards someone else. Yes. And we need to do that more and more if we can. Mm -hmm. But first, to learn to be compassionate towards yourself. To me, I had lived that muscle that I shared about the shame, which had become very, very strong. But to flip it and reverse it to where you start developing that muscle of compassion towards yourself mm -hmm. has been very, very beneficial. And we don't hear that a lot, I find, being compassionate towards yourself first. Mm -hmm. That would be one thing. Uh, something else is to really let go of that weight. Mm -hmm. Because you're getting tired mentally, emotionally, physically. Yeah. You don't know why. You're like, I slept for eight hours. I slept mm -hmm. for 10 hours. Why am I still so tired? Yeah. Because it's heavy. Yes. And you're holding it from the past, that identity or the hurt that someone caused you. And you're being tired. Letting go, giving yourself permission, mm -hmm. like you say, is a great benefit. Yes. You feel lighter. You can go to more places. And you can finally shut the noise out, go within, be in what we call noise cancellation mode activated, mm -hmm. and define and pave the path that you want to be on. Yes. These are two uh, takeaways for me that if... Some of our listeners, some of our viewers, just listen to these two points that you've shared and go to work on those mm -hmm. will have a dramatic impact on the rest of their lives. Yes. The first thing I learned from you that just really shook me um, was unconditional living. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's just such a beautiful way to look at the life that we are moving towards to say I am moving from conditionally living mm. and whether those conditions have to do with what others taught us or conditions we've placed upon ourselves based on what we went through let go of that and unconditionally live mm. I love that so much create new conditions for yourself and when you talked about the four Ps of a clear identity perception passion principles and purpose mm. I honestly believe that if someone took the time, if they took one hour a month mm. and the 12 hours a year to sit down and just reflect on those four Ps for themselves and write down maybe three points under each mm. at least mm. and just come back to that and revise it as they go on with time. I honestly think that alone can bring them so much closer to their clear identity. So I love that so much. Noise canceling devices, to me, that was life changing for me when you and I first talked about it a mm. few months ago, mm. because I could just visualize moments of turmoil that I was going through, where I was so consumed in the way that people were thinking of me or the way that they were treating me or listening to their words and allowing them to trigger me or hurt me. I would imagine like I was putting on noise-canceling headphones and all of a sudden my focus was back on myself and it was like I was cutting the cords that were holding me to all the other noise. So I think if the people who are listening can imagine any time that they're stuck, whether it's in people's opinions, the way they're treating them, their past, past versions of themselves, just take a moment to imagine that you are putting on noise-canceling headphones that are just bringing the focus and energy and sound mm. back to yourself. Now you are hearing what's coming from within as opposed to hearing what's coming from the outside. Mm. Now you can be with yourself in the moment and plan for the future. So those are the two things I think uh, made that made a huge difference for me aside from everything else we talked about. And I hope it helps everyone. So now that we've come to the end of our very first episode, which I know helped you so much already, and I hope you come back for the next one, please subscribe to us on all podcast streaming platforms. Also follow our page on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. We'll leave the handle on the screen. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, please send an email. We'll leave every detail that you need on all of those pages so you can easily reach us and tell us what is it that you are looking for clarity on. And we hope to answer your questions properly. Until next time, have a great day.